What do storytelling, AI, and leadership have in common? Find out with today's guest. Are you a leader trying to get more from your business and life? Me too. So join me as I document the conversations, stories, and advice to help you achieve what matters in your life. Welcome to Unbound with me, Chris Dubois. All right, today we are joined by Richard Rosser. He is a storyteller and having worked on shows such as Grey's Anatomy, Chicago Med, This Is Us, MacGyver, and 24, he's learned the value of a well-told story. He is also the author of ChatGPT Simplified, which I might say is one of the greatest one-on-one books on AI that I have read. Uh, Now as a master storyteller, (laughs) (laughs) uh, he does more than just keep viewers hooked. He understands how to communicate big ideas, stir up emotions, and get people to consider different perspectives. And today, he's going to share that and more with us. Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Chris. It is such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I am excited for everything. Uh, We're just talking for viewers. We're just talking before the show that even just sharing some of the uh, the things that we talked about in our pre-interview with my friends and some of my clients, they got excited about everything in here. So uh, hopefully th- we don't fail now because I, I no, said all of this no, up. No, no, no. We've got plenty uh, of fun stuff to talk <laughs> about and dive into. Yeah. So uh, let's, let's go right to the start. Um, why stories? Why stories? That's probably a loaded uh, question, right? <laughs> let's see. How do I start this off? Um, well, yeah. once upon a time. No, you know, story <laughs> is the way we communicate. Uh, I read I read a statistic the other day that said we communicate 85% of our day. We communicate through story or the narrative structure. And I thought, 85%? That seems really, really high. And then I started to sort of think back on any given day. And, you know, everything we do, whether we're online, we're, we're you know, sending an email, we're at lunch with a friend or a colleague, everything we do is through story. And our brains over the 10 or 15,000 years of, of humankind and human being uh, have been geared towards storytelling. And so our brains are wired. There's a whole science of brain science behind the concept of story and why storytelling works. For instance, there's a concept called narrative transport. And say, for instance, you're, you're watching your favorite movie or you're reading a favorite book. One of mine is, is Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett. It's all about cathedral building in the in the 1200s and 1300s. And when I get into that book, it's like 900 pages long and when I'm in the middle of that, I'm gone. I'm 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 in the 12th I'm in the 13th century. And you know, the buzzer can be ringing, my pizza's on fire, uh, the Amazon guy's ringing the doorbell cuz he needs me to sign for something. It doesn't matter. It, it all falls away. And so ultimately, that's the power of story is the the ability to connect with folks and connect in a way that everything else just disappears. And ultimately, that's what we're trying to do, whether we're talking to a friend at lunch or we're giving a speech or you know, speaking in public uh, in front of two or 300 people about a topic to a specific group of folks. That's what we're trying to do is connect on a certain level so that people aren't thinking about, oh, I got to return that text or I got to you know, check my email or it, right. it, it, it all falls away and we lock in to the actual story itself. Right. Where they actually lose themselves in that story. Exactly. Yes. So, yes. And so I work, a lot of my clients are startup founders mm-hmm. and the, the story, right? The founder's story is usually what drives the, the growth of the company because that's what people find themselves uh, associating with and like wanting to be part of that transformation 
that generally the founder has had because they built this company on what they have found. How I guess how are you? How do you approach uh, creating these stories and working with with companies or anyone to, to create a story that other people can find themselves in uh, for you know, marketing for everything around their business? Well, Chris, that's a, your point is fantastic because ultimately, why does a company exist? You know, and and I I I do workshops and seminars and consulting, and one of the things I've created is is a breakout session where we learn that, you know, we learn together to tell a story. Now, a lot of folks who have created something tend to be very technically minded, right? Either financially technically minded or programming, coding. And so they're the folks that think that they don't really need to tell a story because they've created this amazing thing or program or, or invention. But ultimately, they are the ones that need to tell the story of how it came to be. And a founder's story is really, really powerful because it's the genesis of what was created. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, and, and, and a founder in telling their story uh, can really connect with folks on an emotional level. If, the, if that story is told correctly. And so that's one right. of the things that I really work with folks is to figure out what's the emotion behind the story? What prompted a founder to, what, what issue or challenge or need did they see out in the marketplace that enabled them to transcend everything and come up with something that solved that problem or issue or challenge? And within, mm-hmm. within that story is, you know, it, it's, it's a classic hero's journey. Right, whether it's a whether it's a male yep. or female uh, entrepreneur or startup, it, it doesn't matter. It's the classic hero's journey of going and solving a problem and coming up with that solution that now exists in the world. And so, what you want to do is is latch onto the emotion. And emo- I don't mean emotional. It doesn't have to be a sob story. Mm-hmm. In, in, in fact, humor is one of the best ways to tell a story right. and get a story across. So, but the emotion of the intensity of that story will help with that connection. And, and going back to the, the narrative transport, the concept of narrative transport, there are a number of sort of sub theories. One is called neural coupling. And what that means is that when we tell a story, there's a shared experience between the storyteller and the audience. And again, the audience can be one person or it can be hundreds of folks, but there's a shared experience between the storyteller and the audience. And when that shared experience comes to the forefront, that's neural coupling. And so the audience feels like that they're right there with the storyteller in the situation. That's why it's important as we move through uh, our, our careers and our space and selling and pitching mm-hmm. that we, we learn about our audience and we can tailor that story to the audience. So for instance, if you have a founder, they may have a, ver- they may have sort of, you know, a stock version of their story, but if they're talking to a financier, they may pepper that story with, with some more financial right. concepts, terms, uh, information. Whereas if they're talking mm-hmm. to someone who is ultimately going to be a consumer of that product, they're going to heighten different, different aspects of that product. So it really, right. it really changes. You have to know your audience. And the other thing is practicing the story and making it feel as though it's the first time you're telling it each time. Right. 
Yeah, those are, uh, so we have a lot of background in marketing and uh, even in simple copy on a website, yep. we, we call, there's a term called the unity statement mm. and it's where the influencer and the influencee agree on something right. because that's going to, it's that coupling, right? That shared experience. Um, and so like, I think even looking, you're looking at stories like from the, the big scale, right? right? Like I can go and tell you the story to get you bought in, but it, it could be as simple as that single sentence that on a website that just hooks very quickly. Oh, ab- um, absolutely. That's why I think and, it's fascinating. And another really great, you know, copywriting uh, 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 possibility is when you ask a question mm-hmm. that you already know the answer to, right? You ask a pointed question right. that points out a pain point or a need of the right. consumer who's interested in your product, and you know the answer, and you're you're set, you're teeing it up so that you can provide the answer, which is obviously your product. Right. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Um, the okay, when we were talking uh, last time, we got into some of the different types of stories, mm-hmm. and and like how even you know whether it's children who are hearing these or adults, like everyone hears certain types of stories and they just they get bought in really quick. Um, I'd love to go deeper on that and how we can potentially use that in like the business world in order to help leaders get So there. you mentioned in, in your introduction, in my, you know, my bio, that I've worked on TV shows. And so I've worked on 24, This Is Us, Grey's Anatomy, Chicago Med, The MacGyver Reboot, and a whole host of shows that no one's ever heard of. But, but what I learned during the making of all those shows, especially shows, say, for instance, well, really all of them, but 24 and This Is Us, they had a certain, they had a certain way of communicating. 24 uh, was fantastic at the cliffhanger. It was incredible at building this unbelievable tension and then releasing. And sometimes they didn't release that tension until we got back after the commercial. And then This Is Us had this incredible ability to build these layers between the characters and layers Mm -hmm. of time. And so that's really interesting in that respect, Right. right? And so what I've done is through my career of helping create these stories on screen, I, between seasons or between shows, I went out and I started working with uh, school kids. And and then I've been working at colleges and and lecturing on the college circuit. And then I've started working with entrepreneurs and startups and, and, and existing businesses as well. But when I was starting working with young kids, I wanted them to start telling stories and not not get caught up in the actual sort of telling of the story, the not get, not get belabored by the actual storytelling itself. I don't know if that makes sense, but, but basically Mm -hmm. I would say, okay, I'm going to tell a joke. And now this isn't your classic setup punchline, setup punchline. It's a story joke, right? So it's about a paragraph. It's got a fun character, maybe a character voice, some fun gestures, a sound effect or two. And what I would do is get the kids so entertained with this joke that when I then handed them a little joke and each, each kid would come up and they would tell a joke. Well, what they're learning in just telling a simple joke is the ability to harness a character, to give that character a voice or a sound effect or a a gesture that emphasizes whatever that character is going through. And then they would each do a little joke, right? And then the next, the next session we do tall tale. And then the third session we do a ghost story. Or if the students were older in, in college or at the graduate level, we do tall or uh, uh, 
uh, urban legends. Everyone loves ghost stories and urban legends. There is something about the virality, virality of ghost stories yeah. and urban legends. You know, it, it, it's incredible. So there's always something to latch onto. And so what we do is we learn to tell these stories and don't tell anyone, but the kids are standing up in front of a group of 20 to 25 other students and they're actually speaking in public and they don't even realize it, right? They're having right. so much fun telling these stories because they're just normal stories. I'm not saying, okay, now you have to stand up and make a speech about, you know, what it's, it's so informal that it tricks them and their minds and in, into the fun of telling these stories. Well, I do the same thing in my workshops and seminars with business folks, right? And entrepreneurs and, and folks who are, who are involved with startups. I have breakout sessions where uh, there's a, there's a, a little concept, a story. It's one of the shortest stories that you can make. It's called Hemingway's six word story, right? I, yeah. It sounds like you know what I'm yeah, talking about. But for those listening or watching who don't know what I'm talking about, Hemingway wrote a story that says, used ba uh, 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 baby shoes for sale, never used. Baby shoes for sale, never used. So six words, but reflect on that little sentence. Baby shoes for sale, never used. And reflect on the emotion. What is that story about? Was it about a miscarriage? Uh, was the baby was the baby born but but passed? I mean, right. all of a sudden, there's this outpouring of emotion when you start to analyze those six simple words. So I do a very similar breakout session and say, okay, let's do a, let's do a six, uh, a six word exercise like that. Or I do, I have another one where I do a haiku haiku is 17 syllables, right? And we base it on a childhood memory. So I say to everyone, I don't say, Hey, everyone, you're going to have to come up with a, a haiku. I first say lock into a favorite childhood memory, sound, sight, taste, touch, and, and then lock into that and think about that for a moment. Close your eyes and, and take yourself back. And what mine was playing blocks with my brother on our front porch when it was just pouring down rain. I don't know. There's something about that moment in right. time that it was, it was just the two of us just hanging out, you know, and, and the world was happening and we were just playing blocks. And so we got all sorts of, and, and then what I do is I say, okay, now, now take that sense memory and come up with your 17 syllables. And again, it's three words, five, uh, three syllables, five syllables, three syllables. I think it does. No, it's more than that. It's, uh, it, it's, it's seven, seven, five, seven, five. And, um, uh, so, <laughs> um, and, uh, but what happens is these little haikus that are 17 syllables are so incredibly emotional and powerful. And you, and some of them are humorous and some of them you end up, I did one where this, this guy told this, this little haiku about the fact that he had only hugged his father once. And you, it, it's amazing. And, and it's a great exercise because it points to how something so simple can be so powerful. And you alluded to this in terms of uh, your, was it the unity statement you said? Yeah, the unity statement. Yep. It, it's it's not a it's not a paragraph, right? It's one sentence, right. and that one sentence is meant and made conceptualized to connect your audience with 
your with right. your product or your company. And so that's a lot of what I'm doing in my in my workshops and my seminars is working with folks to realize that you don't have to write a whole, you know, a, a whole rant about something. Uh, six words, 17 syllables can serve the purpose and right. very incredibly, you know, when it comes to stories. Yeah. Actually, so man, I'm, I completely forgot about six word stories until you, you said that when I was first getting into copywriting, I, I found a subreddit that is just right. six word stories. <laughs> and that is everything people post and you get lost in there because you're just, you're, it's story after story. And you're just like, you're just eating them up. Right. But once you start unpacking that, like it becomes a copywriting skill where you can actually run this exercise of how can I tell the story, get the message across in the fewest words possible and still evoke that yeah. emotion. And so, I mean, awesome practical tip. Um, something I'd like to go a little deeper sure. uh, on the ghost, ghost stories and urban legends. What is it about about the stories that hooks people that because, I mean, there might be something here that we can actually pull in right to how we're marketing. Uh, I'm just I'm fascinated by the, the idea that like these are stories that well, people love. Like, there's there's <laughs> OK. There, there are a couple of things. Right. Number one. Yep. There it's it, it, you're you're playing around. You're exploring the unknown. And one of the things I do uh, with with the younger kids, say, for instance, first and fifth grade is when I when I because t- I go in and I tell a ghost story. And, you know, it's relatively short, but I tell a ghost story. And, uh, and after I tell the ghost story or any story, I then deconstruct that story. Now, of course, I don't use the word deconstruct with, you know, fifth right. graders, but, but I deconstruct the story. And one of the things I talk about is, okay, is, is, a, is a ghost story scarier at night or at day during the day? And, of course, the kids, you know, oh, at night, at night, of course. And, and I say, well, well, why is that? Well, cause, cause you can't see, you can't, you know, it's, it's dark out. You can't see past your hand. You can't see past your, you know, past a certain point. Exactly. And I think that really sort of wraps up why ghost stories and, and, uh, urban legends have a viral facet to them as well is because they deal with the unknown in a way that mm-hmm. it, it taps into our primal fears, you know, um, you know, there, right. there's all sorts of clickbait and, you know, all sorts of uh, 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 ways of getting people to click on something. And fear, right. I mean, across the Internet, I think that, you know, it's, yeah. it's common knowledge that negativity gets people riled up. It gets them to mm-hmm. glom onto something uh, it, it, much, much uh, more zealously than they would if, if it's just positive. Right. And so a lot of what, you know, the big right. companies, they're, they're, pu- they're pushing negativity. And so that's not to say that we have to be negative, but we can use elements of that. Right. And, and there's a really right. interesting occurrence. And I know about it with regard to urban legends. So urban legends, uh, are they're legends, right? And we we all sort of know that there's there may be a small kernel of truth, but for the most part, they're they're not true. You know, the guy who was on the car and you know he, he they drove out into park and he was on the car the whole way and then you know choked them or what I mean, but but it's interesting because they've tracked various urban legends and they've realized that there are urban legends in the United States, and there's a version in Japan, 
and a version in Australia and a version in Brazil. Right. And there is no, there's no continuum between those. The people who came up with the urban right. legends did not hear the urban legend from Japan and make and, and revise it for the US. And so what what I think right. that that shows us or tells us is that again, these are going to base base fears or base needs or base issues. And so I mean, you know, there's the classic yeah. Shakespeare says that, that there are seven stories and you go seven stories. And when you start to analyze, there's the hero's journey, there's the, you know, the boy meets girl, loses girl. It, there are seven stories. And so you can use the same template when you're creating a story, again, whether, <clears throat> whether it's a, a founder's journey or an origin story, or if you're speaking to uh, clients or speaking to investors, you can come up with. Right. Something that taps into a common experience or common knowledge with the group or person that you're actually telling the story to. And so I think using a ghost story and an urban legend as a template uh, is, is it, it's a great resource because they work so well. Right. And so I, does, does that uh, sort of answer? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I think it it pulls in, right? People know what generally what to expect from the story. They know what that next like kind of phase of the journey in this, this story is going to be. One of the reasons why the hero's journey is so, so valuable because if you can position your client, yes. right, as they're coming in, position them as the hero and you're the guide and now you're walking them through, they know, like they know what to expect from that next step. And so when it comes time to, to feel the success of finding your product and that's like the, you know, what brings them out of the but, darkness. But Right now, Chris, here's the, here's the trick, right? Just as a as a great comedian, right? Comedians are famous mm -hmm. for setting something up and then flipping it right at the end, right? And that right. is what really makes a great comedian great as opposed to just good or mediocre. And so I would challenge your listeners to as as your because again, let's step back, let's step back objectively. Anytime you're going to tell a story, ideally, you want to have thought through the beats of that story before you embark on that story. So if you're going to if you're going to give a speech and you're going to start off with a story or use a story in that you want to you want to consider the beats and how best to tailor that story to the audience that you're speaking with. And same thing in a sales call. If you're going out and you're working on selling a product or, or a service, you want to have your story down. Now you may tailor something on the fly based on that specific business or the location where they are, or how many, you know, how many of your product they're going to need, et cetera. But your basic story, you want to have thought out and have the beats down and have practiced, right? So as you go in, you can, you can take that story and use story structure to your advantage. Just like Chris was saying, you can create a hero's journey with your client as the hero and you as, you know, uh, or you as the hero and them being saved and, but come up with that, but figure out an interesting twist that may not follow logically or continuously so that you can surprise your listener, client, uh, or, or vendor, um, with what you're, what you're imparting. Right. Almost like exactly. a, a pattern yes. interrupt. Right. They yes. know what what to expect, yes. but you're hitting them with something that now forces right. it to be more memorable. Um, yeah. I, 
love that idea. Um, just <laughs> for anyone who's who is listening, uh, uh, my degree was in English right. with a focus on creative writing. So <laughs> like, I'm nerding out right now. So this, yeah. is, uh, this is, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I, I'm loving all this about, uh, about stories, but I also want to talk about sure. AI and how we can use that to help with storytelling, how we can help it use it in our businesses. Uh, I was not like under, under cutting this at all. Like this was one of the best books that I have read for getting started uh, using AI, ChatGPT well, thank you specifically. Very much, Chris. Um, I've used it. Yeah. I mean, I have read hundreds of articles at this point, watch videos. I've used the tool. I've applied it in various ways in businesses. And, uh, and then I read your book and I'm like, <laughs> if I had just read this first, I could have cut so much time. Uh, and so, so I'd love to talk to you, right? Uh, first, the, the number of pop culture references in this book uh, just get me very interested. Uh, and so I'm going to use the reference to Skynet. Yep. Right. We're fortunately not there oh, yet. Not yet. Uh, we get there at some point. <laughs> right. I say please and thank you right. to ChatGPT all the time. <laughs> just, just in case. case. I love it. Uh, but uh, but I would love to know, how are you using it for like enhanced well, storytelling? OK, so let, let me first of all say that, um, you know, full disclosure, I am not a programmer. Mm-hmm. I am not a tech head. I, you know, look, I've been in the film and TV business for many years. I understand technology. I've dealt with a lot of special effects and cameras and everything, but I am not a get in and and, and figure out how this is going to work and and, and the mechanism of it. And so when I wrote this book, Chris, I approached it from a storyteller standpoint. And and, And the book is written through the lens of my storytelling journey. And so when, uh, you know, I, I hate it when I open a book and it just starts talking in technical terms. And I, I feel like, first of all, I feel like an idiot. Second of all, I'm playing catch up and I get tired of flipping back and forth to glossary or going online and trying to find a glossary if there's no glossary in the book. And so what I wanted to do was create a book that folks can sit down and just read and have fun with and learn about AI in general and chat GPT in specific, because if right now there is a lot of anxiety, a ton of anxiety and the media isn't helping. I mean, you know, they're selling, they're selling uh, dishwashing detergent, whatever, but, but they're not helping. And everyone needs to take a deep breath Yes, this is moving at an incredible pace. I mean, I think the last count was 170 million people have signed up for ChatGPT. But, and, and we're all anxious. Now, some of us are anxious because we're excited. And I, I, I tend to be in that, the majority of the time, in, in, that, in that viewpoint of ChatGPT and AI. But some folks are anxious with dread because they don't feel comfortable with this technology. They don't know what it all means. They're afraid that it's going to eliminate their job like that. And so what I did was, as I started writing this book, I thought I tried to put myself in the position of sort of both of those folks, you know, the people who are anxious because they're they're doom and gloom, you know, and they're hearing, oh, it's going to take your job. It's going to ruin, you know, Skynet. It's going to, it's, you know, next thing you won't be able to get in the pod, you know, pod bay door uh, from 2001 Space Odyssey. And um, so I, and then the other thing was when I read something, if it's dry, I mean, it's a, it's a chore, it's a labor. And so what I did was I, I wrote this with the help 
of and and actually here. Let me just. So this is my book. For those of you who can't, who are listening, uh, my book has a little uh, has a little uh, guy on the front. He's a, he's a robot. And my daughter actually named him Chad GPT, right? So uh, I, I like to say now that I, I have Chad GPT help me. And uh, so I've coined the term AI enhanced storytelling because the ideas in this book are mine. The, the approach is mine. Chapter four, where I liken the journey of exploring through ChatGPT and AI, through the lens of Alice in Wonderland, and I make comparisons about mm-hmm. the Cheshire Cat and the Mad Hatter and the Red Queen, those are all mine. And now, I have to say that I would ask ChatGPT, ChatGPT, for some pop culture references. And I would say, hey, what pop culture references can I put in this paragraph or this chapter that are going to help make this more interesting? And it would help me pepper everything with pop culture references, everything from Harry Potter and Lady Gaga to, you know, Skynet and the Avengers. And, and so (laughs) what I did was I tried to think of this from, Hey, people, the people who really want to learn about this, they don't want, they don't want to learn about it from a technical standpoint. They want it to be fun. They want to know how Mm -hmm. they can use it in their life to increase their own creativity, streamline their workplace, their, their workplace uh, productivity. And so I made it fun and interesting and entertaining as well as informative. And again, um, I, I put in like almost every page has a couple of prompts. And again, I tried to make the prompts fun and funny and humorous so that you're not reading a bunch of, you know, dry prompts. I mean, who, anyone can, anyone can write a book like that. And so uh, I love the fact that uh, that you really enjoyed it. In fact, one of my favorite reviews on Amazon was from uh, from a guy and he said, I love because this book seems like it was written for by a human for a human. And even though it was AI enhanced, it was it was written by a human for humans who want to learn about this incredible technology. Right. So sure. A couple of things I just want to throw in there with the prompt, with the prompts that you, you add in. My favorite part was that it, how much it caused me to brainstorm other ways I could tweak that prompt in order to get my specific desired end result. And so it was just, just having something in front of me to get me thinking of other ways I can use this tool. I was I love substantial. It. Like, I mean, well, Chris, super what, let me just stop a second there. Um, one of the, one of the, my philosophies yeah. of teaching or leading is via the Socratic method. And so what I wanted to do in the book was give examples, but instead of giving a finite example of, okay, here you can type in this prompt and learn, and it will generate this answer. Um, I wanted to play around. And, and so this book is really sort of, um, it's really sort of a playground for the mind and for the approach to chat GPT. So I love that you picked up on, on that ability to, to take a prompt. And I very often say, Hey, you know, if you're a graphic designer, you can type in this prompt, but if you're, if you're not a graphic designer, then, you know, put in whatever you are because people, yes, people would think about that, but it helps to, it helps to be prompted as you're reading something because it helps you think outside the box, just as you're using this amazing technology to think outside the box as well. Yeah. And I think, 
I think it resonated so much with me because my entire approach to leadership is the dynamic leadership model. Right. Isn't this is how you do this. This it's more, this is how you can approach this. Mm -hmm. exactly. And then you figure out the rest on your own. Yes. Um, so yeah, very much, uh, like that. Let's, let's go in. There was one, I mean, there were tons of sections that we could cover. Um, <laughs> But the I really liked uh, one of the ideas you talked about how you can create growth plans for your team, right? And stuff using using AI. Um, I'd love to hear more about like the concept of of that because I do think a lot of leaders kind of struggle where you know I might be the company founder, but I don't know a ton about marketing. I don't know how to help them actually level up their skills. Stuff. So, you know. I find that one of the biggest values, benefits from, of, of ChatGPT is its ability to help me brainstorm. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm working with uh, some career tech schools uh, and we're, we're coming up with ChatGPT programs and programs in AI enhanced storytelling. And they said to me, we love your approach to storytelling. Can you create a program storytelling for trainers? And I said, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's done. Consider it done. And we finished up the Zoom call and I said, oh my gosh, I don't know anything about trainers. And I hope <laughs> they don't see this, but, uh, but I, I, I said, oh my gosh, what do I know about trainers? I know about storytelling. So I dove on and harnessed Chad GPT and I typed in, you know, what would an, uh, a course or a workshop look like? storytelling for trainers. And it started coming up with all this information. And now I was able to take a deep, deep dive in a very short amount of time to learn about this and discover what would apply and what wouldn't. I mean, it came up with some amazing suggestions, but also came up with some real, real stinkers, right? And so mm -hmm. that's what ultimately uh, your listeners are doing is, is they want to take this technology and use it as a tool, right? ChatGPT and AI are simply tools, just like a calculator or a high-end, you know, engineering computer program is for a mathematician or engineer. Those folks can't create a SpaceX rocket with a pencil and a pad of paper. They need tools like a computer or a calculator that can help them solve equations, formulas, and, and problems on a really high level. And so for me, ChatGPT is doing the same thing from a creative standpoint. I'm able to, to type in a prompt, hit generate, and then all of a sudden I've got, I've got the knowledge of 10 or 15 other people in a room of being able to think outside the box. So when you talk about the, the, you know, the portion that I talked about, you know, growth model or growth possibilities, I mean, basically, you can type in, hey, tell me how I can interact with my managers or my, uh, my factory floor workers. And you can get a sense of the way, the, the sort of common practices, best practices, based on all the billions and billions of pages and text that, that uh, ChatGPT has assimilated in its collective memory. And so it's not just constrained to, a growth model or a growth plan. Uh, you know, you can say, for instance, you're an entrepreneur and you're, you're doing a startup and you, you've come up with a product and you think, you know, I'd love to figure out if there are other ways that I can use this product. Go to ChatGPT and type in a basic description of your product and then unleash it and let it 
tell you what the possibilities are. And then you can take a deeper dive on, you know, on this road or that road or that path and, and really dive in and figure out the possibilities. And because that's really, uh, that's really the coolest thing from my standpoint as a, as a storyteller and creator. Uh, now, I mean, you can get into content creation and when you do, my experience is the better the prompt, the better response you're going to get back. But I've never once gotten a prompt back that I just said, you know what? Okay, this is perfect because I'm an individual. I have certain things that are based on my personality, my sense of humor, uh, my approach. I, I, I like to use words playfully. Uh, the way I structure words and sentences sometimes is is different than uh, than other writers. Mm -hmm. And so ChatGPT is not yeah. me and it, and it can't be me. And so, you know, there's, there's a, there's a fear among a lot of folks that, that chat GPT is just going to turn us all into robots and that everything we create is just going to turn into mush. All our communication is just going to be bleh. And yeah. sure, if we all use the same crappy prompt to put out an email or a, or a Twitter post or a blog post, then yes, if I, if I use a, a prompt and then I hand it off to you, Chris, and you use the same prompt, even if it's a different subject, the writing is going to be similar. It's going to be very, very similar. And so what yeah. I'm going to do is I'm going to take that prompt and I'm going to fuse part of my personality. I'm going to say, hey, write with a sense of humor and use, oh, use some pop culture references. Whereas you may say, you know what, uh, write with sarcasm or write with, you know, make it a parody uh, and, uh, and don't use any pop yeah. culture references whatsoever. You know, it's, it's all based on our personalities. And so for me, this tool, this technology can really heighten my creativity, my individualism uh, as, as well as yours. And, and so that is the beauty of Chad GPT. And that's what I, I feel like. I feel like sometimes I feel like an evangelist going out, AI enhanced storytelling is the way. <laughs> and, but it, the, the folks who are thinking about, oh, it's, you know, it's going to reduce our communications to much. They're not thinking about how creative they can get with the input and output. You know, I mean, just like computers, garbage in, garbage out. So, right. uh, yeah. so that's the beauty for me, uh, mm -hmm. for entrepreneurs, business owners is the ability to harness this and infuse the, the generated responses with the personality of the founder or the owner or the product itself or even the customers or clients because you can pepper the wishes and needs and desires of your clients into your responses and it's, it's magical. Right. Yeah, I like one of the the most interesting perspectives that I've seen on just how you how you view AI uh, rather than looking at it as artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. viewing it as intelligence augmentation, knowing that you as the human are still the one doing the inputs and figuring this out, but you're leveraging this as a tool, right? Yep. To like that calculator in order to to get whatever result you're after. Uh, so I love everything you just said. It was like, well, ultimately, yeah, we, ultimately um, we as the humans oh yeah, are the critical thinkers. And, and so it's up to us right. to synthesize the information that we're getting that's generated from ChatGPT. For instance, you know, I would very often type in, okay, you know, uh, whatever section I was working on, I'd type it in and say, hey, generate, you know, 300 words or whatever um, with some humor and some pop culture references. And it would come back and I would read it and I would go, no, this, is, this isn't right at all. 
But yet ChatGPT thought it was right. Mm-hmm. And I would say, no, no, no. And I would, and I would, you know, I would revise the prompt and I might have to do that two or three or four or eight or 10 times sometimes. And so ultimately we as humans are the keepers right. of that critical mind, that critical thought and the objectivity in terms of whatever's being spit out, if it mm-hmm. works within what we're creating. And that's, and, and really, I mean, that's the most important thing is it, are we using this to heighten our ideas and concepts and inventions and, and businesses? Love it. Uh, all right. This has been a fascinating conversation. I've got three more questions for you. <laughs> uh, first, okay. what book, sounds good. Besides, besides one you've written, because I'm already recommending that for you. Uh, but what book would you recommend everyone give a read to? Um, with, with regard to ChatGPT or, or just... Uh, just- General, what, what book has had the most it's, impact you know what, on you? It's summer. I don't know. I don't know how long it's going to be, but Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett is an amazing book. And in some way, it's actually it's it's about cathedral building in the 1200s, 1400s. It's a it's a eight or nine hundred page book, but it's a fantastic book. And um it has it has some similarities to uh to what's going on with this new technology, actually. All right. We'll have to check that out. Um, <laughs> next one. What's uh, what's next for you right now? For Well, uh, I actually uh, I had a conversation with a friend of mine uh, this morning and um, I, I, I can't set the scene too much. But basically, I'm creating courses and programs for this career tech school where I grew up in Oklahoma. And we are going to take those programs and use those as a template for uh, for some business opportunities and work on sort of fusing the education process with the business uh, with with uh, with the business to work on a pipeline for students learning about ChatGPT and right. how to integrate it into business and story. Awesome! I am excited to see where that goes. Uh, where can people uh, connect with you? Uh, the best place is AI explained.ai. AI explained.ai. That's my website. And uh, you can purchase a copy of my book. It'll take you right to Amazon. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me uh, to set up a consultation or talk about a workshop or a webinar, you can go all the way down to the bottom, contact Richard, press on that, and you can email me. And um, I'd love to give a challenge. I'd love to give a challenge to your, to your listeners. So as you move forward in the next couple of days, I'd like for you to stop and reflect on the stories that you tell and the stories that you hear and think about that 85% mark and consider how much of your communication back and forth between friends and colleagues and family and and, uh, even folks you're just meeting, how much of your communication is based in story or some sort of narrative structure. And then take that and use that as you communicate with, uh, with your team members, with employees, with uh, colleagues uh, moving forward. That is a great challenge and something I think everyone will benefit from. Um, well, awesome. Richard, thank you for joining me. Uh, this has been an awesome conversation. Thanks, Chris. It's, it's been fantastic. I've loved it. Yeah, we're going to... Uh, plan your return trip <laughs> right after uh, right after we hang up here. So. Sounds good. Awesome. Take care. All right. 
If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love a rating and review on your favorite podcast player. And for more information on how to build effective and efficient teams through your leadership, visit leadingforeffect.com. As always, deserve it.